Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Pinewood Church. I wanted to read you a couple passages of scripture, if that's okay. Um, I know whenever we sing these songs, we're proclaiming truth. And I wanted to give you the truth of God's word as you begin to sing this song. Let's first look at 1 John chapter 5, 4 through 5. It says this, For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we have achieved this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is is the Son of God. John chapter 16, verse 33, it says this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. First Corinthians 15, 57. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what do these passages passages teach us today? It teaches us that though the enemy is coming against you, you already have victory. So whatever the enemy is fighting against you, the attacks from the enemy, we all feel the attacks from the enemy tonight. Something is coming against us. So maybe it's depression, maybe it is anxiety, maybe it's fear, maybe it's frustration, maybe it's the devil himself and you feel it. Guess what? This is a church full of faith. So I hope that when you walk into the room, your faith rises up just a little bit to know that we believe that in Jesus' name, you're running from victory, not for victory. That whatever it is that the enemy is coming against you, God can turn it around for his good. Can we sing that one more time like we mean it, like we believe it, that we cannot lose in Jesus Christ. We have the victory in Jesus' name. Let's sing that one more time. That he has never lost. claim victory over everybody here in your name. We claim your promises of your truth over every single life here today. Father, we pray that whatever it is that the enemy is coming against them, roaring, he's like a lion wanting to take them out. In Jesus' name, Father, we claim victory over their circumstance, that your mighty angels right now would surround them, give them confidence on the journey, Give them peace on the journey. Give them comfort on the journey. Father, we love how you're moving in our lives. We believe that you're changing us even right now in this moment as we worship you. Thank you for this place. Thank you that we get to gather and worship you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, 
Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. We're going to watch the video and then we'll get started with the message. The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power, and they forfeit that rest. They're exiled into the wilderness, where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But how? They're in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who's grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. How do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest, called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They're exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come, but generations go by and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day. 
Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah, saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Ah, so Jesus is claiming that seventh-day rest would come through him. Right. He said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath, and he confronted disorder and darkness in all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath, and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh, wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness, where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him. Or in his words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Wasn't that incredible? Pretty insightful on the Sabbath day, is it not? We are going, don't worry, that was a lot of information. We're going to unpack that together. So don't feel like you had to keep all of that, taking notes. We're going to unpack that whole story. And really the story of Sabbath and rest from creation till right now. Um, The title of the message, I'm diving right in. The title of the message is... Rest in peace. Rest in peace. We're coming up on the Halloween season, and you're going to be seeing R.I.P. on tombstones in people's front yards. So I thought it felt like a a seasonal title. But also, um, you hear this term whenever people pass away a lot as well. You hear the term rest in peace. May they rest in peace. May they rest in peace. And so by no means do I want to... uh, discredit that statement or, um, you know, downgrade that statement. I think, I think it's a good statement. It was actually founded by the Christian faith. Started in the 8th century, whenever somebody would die, somebody would say, well, I will pray that they rest in peace. It wasn't necessarily a prayer for their future, but it was saying that I, I hope that now they are forever resting in peace. And it became even more so popular in the 1500s. But we get it a lot of times confused because... I believe that instead of it being something that we just say as people pass away, I think we actually internalize it and we make it a mantra for our lives that one day we will rest in peace. And I think that is a bad way to live. I think it's an irresponsible way to live and a disobedient way to live. When I retire, I will rest. One day when I die, may I rest in peace. I don't want to wait till I die. I want to rest in peace right now and tomorrow and the next day. I want to live my life so that I can rest in peace. And what if I don't want rest to be just one day a week? What if I want to rest every day, all day? Guess what? We're going to look at scripture today and we're going to see how you can find rest and you can find peace in the person 
and the work of Jesus Christ. But before we get there, I want us to start from the beginning. And I want us to look at the Sabbath. And there's three components to the Sabbath that I want us to unpack today. And the first is that it was created by God. The Sabbath was created by God. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. God created everything in six days. And on the seventh day, God had completed his work and th- and that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy. Holy is another word that means he said he set that day apart from all of the other days. For on it, he rested from all his work of creation. He made it holy. He made it set apart. Now, this may be shocking for some people, but I hope that it encourages your faith today. We have seven days in our calendar, 365 days a year. Guess who crafted and guess who created the seven-day calendar? God, not a scientist, not an astrologer. This is designed by God. And in his design, he created six days of work, and the seventh day of rest. That one of the earliest principles that we can see in all of creation was the principle of a Sabbath's day rest. I think that makes a Sabbath's day rest a pretty big deal. And I think it's a pretty big deal that the God that never tires after creating all of the world took an off day. The word rested there actually means, this is going to, I'm going to say a few things that may be uh, pretty deep. This is pretty interesting, but it's actually a Hebrew word. That, uh, whenever God speaks things into uh, existence, it actually refers to his breath. He's exhaling things into existence. When God speaks, he creates. So God spoke into existence. There was evening, there was morning the first day. God spoke the next thing into existence. This idea and this word rest is actually for the first time God inhaled. Isn't that kind of a cool, cool way to think of the idea of rest is you, you inhale. Some of us just need to take an inhale right now. It's been a busy week. We just, just hold it in there five seconds. I don't know any breath, uh, breath methods here, but we're not going to do that. But it, he took an inhale and he rested. Some theologians, which I, I don't know how you would even know this. This is maybe a stretch. Believe that because God never tires. We see that in, uh, in John chapter 5. We see John is always working. He's still working. But some theologians believe that on this seventh day, God was actually creating rest. Which I think is pretty cool in itself that it was so significant of a thing that he took an entire day to create this thing that would be so vital to humanity and to earth. This is also the very first reference of the word holy. It's holy. It's set apart. I also love that God worked. So we think of the idea of, um, you know, if you, if you like to rest and if resting is your thing, uh, well, I'm not lazy. I don't rest. That's why I work all day. I grind 24-7. I'm trying to make something of myself. Well, what does that say of God? 
He worked, and yet he still took a rest day. I think rest is important because you work, not because you like rest. I think rest without work is lazy. I think work without rest is irresponsible. There's a pattern and there's a process and God gives us this. He worked and he rested and he demonstrated for us a pattern for all of humanity and all of creation. So the first thing that we see is that God created this idea of the Sabbath. Second thing we see is a command from God. The Sabbath is commanded from God in Exodus 20, verses eight through 11. He says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. There it is, that word again, holy. Keep it set apart. This is something that you should pay attention to. You're to labor for six days and do all of your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gate. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord said, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he declared it holy. There that word is again. He declared it holy. He declared it set apart. Um, this pastor, uh, old Presbyterian pastor, and, and this Puritan, his name was John Flavel, um, he, he pointed out these four special markers that makes this fourth commandment unique from all of the other commandments. First is that it's the longest of all of the commandments. The Ten Commandments is what was given to Moses by the fingerprint of God given to the Israelites to follow. And this is the longest of all of the Ten Commandments. And it has, the second thing is, it has a solemn reminder and a warning prefixed to it. None of the other ones do. Third thing is, it is delivered both positively and negatively. None of the other commands are. And then the fourth thing is, it is enforced with more arguments to strengthen the command than any other. So it's one of the first principles that we see in all of creation. Then we see when God wants to give the Israelites commandments, moral commandments to follow, he puts in a Sabbath day rest as the fourth, and he goes above and beyond with these four very specific highlighted markers. And he's constantly saying, hey, it's holy. Hey, set it apart. Hey, Sabbath is a big deal. And I, I want us to think about the Ten Commandments for a second. I think it's safe to say that we would all probably agree, if you're a follower of Jesus in here, you'd probably agree the Ten Commandments are kind of a big deal. We probably shouldn't disobey the Ten Commandments. So let's look through some of the Ten Commandments here. Uh, you shall have no other gods before me. Probably a big deal. Probably not a good idea for you to put somebody above God. So we would say, no, I would never do that. Somebody tries to get you to do that, you'd be like, what are you, do what, what are you trying to do? Uh, how about this one? <clears throat> you shall not murder. Kind of a big deal. We probably wouldn't say, what you doing tonight? Probably gonna go kill somebody. What you up to? <laughs> hey, I'm about to go hack somebody. Want to roll? No, no. What's wrong with you? It's a Ten Commandment. And it's just weird. You shall not steal. Yeah, for sure. We should not do that. Why is it then with the fourth commandment, we're kind of like, 
Well, it just depends, you know? I mean, it's kind of a busy season. Why is it with the fourth commandment, we're kind of like, oh, I know it's your Sabbath, but it's also, you know, the, a really big thing that I want you to help me work on. Or, like, why constantly are we making excuses to disobey and disregard and downgrade one of the Ten Commandments? It's a busy season. So I'm just going to go kill somebody. No, you would never say that. James 2, 10 through 11. For whoever keeps the entire law, James, mind you, this is the New Testament. Yeah, but that's the Old Testament. All right, let's look at James chapter two, verses 10 through 11. For whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all. Dang. For he who said, do not murder, do not commit adultery, said, do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you are a lawbreaker. This passage in James teaches us that there's not one commandment that's important, and then the other one is kind of secondary. No, God had a very specific design, very specific intention of giving us the Ten Commandments to follow, a moral guide to obey. So what you're saying is, if I say, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to do a Sabbath, forget the Sabbath, then I would, I would say, first, you're, you're not looking to the example of the creation of the universe that God demonstrates for us. And then I would say that you're probably overlooking the Ten Commandments that he's rolled out for us as well. But something shifted when Christ came. And this is why I wanted us to watch this video. And I know a lot of that uh, may have gone over your head, which is totally normal, it's totally okay. You'd have to do a lot of research to really understand the, the breadth of the, what, they said Jubilee. What, what, what is the Jubilee? Don't worry about that. Um, we're talking about the Sabbath, but the Sabbath in the Old Testament, even from the creation to the number seven, to the, to the day of rest. And then if you look at even the, the Ten Commandments, and the Old Testament was considered a really, really big deal. I just can't emphasize this enough. If you, if you do your research, what you'll find in the Old Testament is that this, this idea of a seven-day week with six being work and one being a Sabbath, it was such a big deal that if you were found, which this is extra law, uh, if you were found sinning against the Sabbath, you, sh you would be stoned to death. So the Old Testament is a big deal. And the purpose of it being such a significant and big deal is because this idea of six days work, one day rest was a covenant to God to acknowledge our trust, our relationship, and our obedience to him. And it was a foreshadowing of what was to come. That takes us to the resurrection, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is all about completing what he starts this idea of the seventh day, whenever Jesus went to the cross and he died and he was buried, he rested, he was in the tomb on the day of rest. And I think it's beautiful that when he rose, he was signifying that you now can find rest in me. That, that, that this idea of the Sabbath it isn't neglected, as we're going to see from a text here in just a second. It was fulfilled. 
Jesus always take thing, takes things to another level in the New Testament is what you're going to find. When Jesus says, as we see in Malachi chapter three, we talked a little bit about last year, uh, give a tenth. You're going to see Jesus taking it to another level in the New Testament. He's going to say, no, be generous. A tenth. No, no, be generous. He does the same thing with the Sabbath. He's like, no, no, no. The Sabbath is good. Keep a Sabbath. But guess what? Now you get to take the Sabbath with you in me. And this is what we see in Hebrews chapter 4, 9 through 11. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own work. Still true, just as God did from his. Is this talking about creation or is this talking about the cross? I'll read that again. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own work, just as God did from his. Remember on the cross, Jesus' final, final words? It is finished. The work is accomplished. It is done. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. So Jesus, dying on a cross, being buried in a tomb, and rising on the first day, rewrote the script of Sabbath day rest. So no longer do we work for rest, work six days of Sabbath. We work from rest because rest is on the first day. Rest is on the Lord's day, the Sabbath day. And now no matter what we do in Christ, we work from rest. We work from rest. We rest in peace. Our Sabbath is found in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, his death, burial, and his resurrection. We see this in Matthew 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Colossians 2, 16 through 17, he says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you in regard to the food or drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ. What does that passage say? The principle of the Sabbath that was taught in the Old Testament. Don't let anybody judge you for keeping that. That was good. It's still good. It was a shadow of what was to come, which is the substance of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. So don't disregard it. Don't disobey it. So the question then is, do we still have to practice the Sabbath today? And I would say, based on all of the texts we've read, which we haven't read them all, the answer is a resounding, absolutely. Four reasons why we should observe the Sabbath today. It observes the creation decree and one of the Ten Commandments, which are abiding moral law written on the fingerprint by God. When we Sabbath, we're recognizing his creation decree and we're recognizing the Ten Commandments and we're being obedient. Number two, it is a day set aside for worship and the pursuit of Jesus. We're gonna talk about that here in just a second. But taking a Sabbath day rest is not about rest. Talk about that. Is a spiritual pursuit. Number three, it is a witness to the world. How is it a witness to the world? Because when we actually obey what God has called us to do, the world looks at us and is like, I don't know how they get so much done. 
They take a Sabbath. I'm working seven days a week. They're working six days a week, and they're getting more done than I am. Because it's the truth of God's word. It's the same reason why it's the truth, the tithe principle. We have more with 90% than we do with 100%. It's the same principle. It's a principle of trust. And it's a witness to the world. Number four, it is a sanctifying practice, ordering the priorities of God's people. Do not neglect the habit of gathering together as uh, some are in the habit of doing, but meet all together all of the more, especially as the end approaches. God's plan is the best plan. God's plan is the best plan. His design is the best design. His commandments are the best commandments. His truth is the only truth. His plan is the best plan. You're either going to Sabbath by design or by discipline. Hear me. You're either going to Sabbath by design or by discipline. One way or another, Sabbath's coming for you. (laughs) It's Halloween. I don't know. (laughs) R.I.P. Sabbath is coming for you. I remember um, fresh out of college, I was broke uh, and thank God for student loans because it just instilled such a work ethic in me. I never knew how powerful that would be in my life. Uh, I was working like 100 plus hours a week, three jobs. I was just a workaholic, not getting any sleep. Definitely not taking the Sabbath. Um, And after three or four months, I just felt my body starting to fall apart. Uh, I I wasn't digesting food anymore. Uh, I wasn't sleeping at all. Um, And just physically, mentally, emotionally, everything was breaking. A similar thing happened if, uh, last, uh, let's see, how long, a little over a year ago. Uh, we were gearing up for conference. Uh, I was trying to raise a lot of support for the church and, and there was a lot of other things going on and I wasn't Sabbathing. I wasn't resting at all and I was working really hard and I was striving really hard and I wasn't obeying the principle of God and we were in a Chick-fil-A drive-through and I remember Jess looked at me and was just like, okay, the kids will take and she starts rattling off a thousand items that I'm supposed to order for the kids and I just remember just shutting down. I shut down. I mean, that'll, that'll forever be the Chick-fil-A incident. It's like this like historic moment in our family. It's like, I shut down. I couldn't respond. I started to sweat. I started to shake. And she's like, what's the matter with you? And I'm like, I can't, I don't know. I can't talk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't think. Uh, I don't know if, anybody, if anybody's ever experienced a little bit of a panic attack or anxiety uh, attack. That was, that was me in that moment. And I, I had just gone so hard. I haven't rested. You see what... What happens is you're either going to Sabbath by design or by discipline. One way or another, Sabbath's coming for you. There's this thing called the um, happy hormone that happens in rest. Happy hormones. Uh, We love the happy hormones. But God is just, um, God is intentional in everything that he does. In everything that he creates, he's intentional with it. Uh, from, from the farmland, which we won't talk about that, to, to seasons, to the way that the ocean moves, to the way that we have seasons. He's intentional in the way that he, when what he creates and how he created it and, and our body was built for rest. There's things called the happy hormones that happen during rest. <clears throat> Here for the happy hormones, dopamine. We love dopamine. It's the feel-good hormone. It's like the brain's reward system. I love that name. Serotonin helps regulate your mood, your uh, sleep, appetite, digestion. Oxytocin. And it helps you trust more. It helps you empathize more. Endorphins. It's, uh, it's the intimate drug, you know. 
won't go into detail about the endorphins, but it's a good one. Big fan of the endorphin hormone. Um, these things happen in, in moments of rest. And the opposite is true. There's hormones that are released that deteriorate your body, cause more depression, more anxiety, fear. And it's impossible for those chemicals to be released at the same time as these. Isn't it amazing how God designs your brain that just maybe he built you for rest? Just maybe he built you for a Sabbath day? The health benefits of rest is it protects your heart, reduces inflammation, boosts your immune system, improves memory, fights depression, regulates appetite, better problem solving, more inspirational creative ideas. You get to know yourself better, uh, yourself better on a more whole and personal intimate level. These things happen only in rest. Resting in the presence of God. Sabbath is less about when and where, and it's more about who and how. Psalms 23, verses 1 through 3 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. This passage speaks to the nature of us finding rest, not in our environment, but in a person. And that's more so what I want to leave you with today is that you cannot experience rest beside the stream until you've been satisfied by the shepherd. Rest is not about finding the perfect mountainside that you can string your hammock up to. That's not what a Sabbath day rest is all about. It's not about going on a vacation where you can see the beach with a little something, something in your hand and enjoy the view. That's, that's restful. But that's not what the scripture speaks of as a Sabbath day rest. A Sabbath day rest is less about a location. It's more about a person. That's the finished work of Jesus on the cross is that rest goes with you. That you rest in Jesus. Mark 2 27 says, then he told them the Sabbath day was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So then the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus owns the Sabbath. He designed the Sabbath. He created it for his glory and for our benefit. So church, let me, let me just say right now, let, let this Sunday be a pivotal moment for us to say, wow, I never knew that about a Sabbath, but but I kind of want to structure my life a little different. I want to work real hard for six days. But on a seventh day, I want to pursue the presence of Jesus. I want to set aside work. And every, every text that we see, that was the component of it. You set aside work. So whatever you do for work, one day you set it aside and you rest and you pursue the presence of God. If you would, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to close with a, a response song. And during the response song, I always like to encourage people to, to pray. I like to encourage you to, to ask God, where have I downgraded the commandment in my life to say that no longer is it as big of a deal uh, as you've created it to be and commanded it to be? Or, or where, where in my week do I just need to carve out a day 
Maybe if you work, just to make it practical, Monday through Friday, you know, maybe you uh, get two Sabbath days rest. <laughs> Congratulations. What? That's incredible. Highly encourage it. I think you're kind of lazy. There's that extra day you could be working, but it's okay. It's okay. Maybe Sunday is your Sabbath. It's the first day of the week. You say, you know what? I'm not going to work that day, but I'm going to come and I'm going to worship with my people. I'm going to serve and worship the Lord. And that's going to be exactly what I need to be able to go into the next week. How many of you know that when you start your day with a Sabbath day rest, worshiping and pursuing Jesus, the week is just better? Can we attest to that? It's just it's better. Your faith is lifted. You've let go of some things. You've worshiped Jesus. Now you're like, I think I'm ready for Monday. Maybe you just need to make a commitment today to say, I'm not going to neglect showing up and being a part of worshiping with my people so that I can work from rest and not for rest. I think we should sing that song. You think the... Um, there's a song. He, he, <clears throat> he knows. He knows. <laughs> that song. Yeah. Um, and it talks about seeking. That's uh, that uh, Psalms 23 song that we just sang. And it just talks about finding God. It's, it's an old song. You probably learned it in Kiss Church, but it's as the deer pants for the water. Come on, man. If you know it, you can sing, sing this with us as well. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs after you. Father, it's good news today that we don't find our rest in creation, but in the Creator. It's good news today to us that we don't find rest based on our circumstances, but on the one who never changes, the one who is the same today and forever, Father. So we thank you that you give us rest. We thank you for your peace. Father, today may we leave decided, decided that there's not going to be another week that goes by without a Sabbath day rest that we recognize that your scripture teaches it, that you demonstrated it for us, that you affirmed it by your life and that you meant it for our benefit and your glory. So Father, today, we not only hear your word, but we obey your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.